Hey, Rob, I'm just back from WWC. Awesome. Uh, so I assume you're absolutely exhausted. I'm a little tired. Uh, it was it was interesting, though, because this year, I, I think I hit my peak fatigue day was probably Wednesday, and I didn't have uh, probably, it was, that was a combination of things. That was the day that I spent a lot of time meeting with developers, as well as uh, it, most of the activity at WWC this year was front-loaded, so it was really, it was pretty quiet after Wednesday. Nice. So, um yeah, so I mean, the keynote was obviously on the first day on Monday, um, and I, I just told you this before we started recording. Um, I ended up watching the wrong keynote for about fifteen minutes. How did, how did you manage to do that? So, so I left work. I got home. I maybe had ten minutes before the the keynote started. So, you know, I grabbed myself a drink. I grabbed the switch because I was going to play Mario Kart while I was watching it. Um, I turned on the Apple TV in the spare room because that's where the apple tv is obviously i can't watch the keynote any other way um opened up the apple events app and just press play um you know so i watched uh a video about people with accessibility issues using ipads and then tim cook's talking about apple stores and stuff like that and then he said tv os and we're introducing the tv app <laughs> and you're like what? and i <laughs> i kind of stopped and went ah this is no, this is September's keynote. This is this isn't today's one. Oh no! So it wasn't actually. Was the was it just that the icon wasn't up on Apple TV yet, or did you just click the wrong thing? No, the because I don't use the Apple TV much anymore because um, it's not in in my living room. Oh, you hadn't updated. The, the, yeah, the events app needed updating before it would show today's live. Or you know the the Monday's live stream. Um, yeah. I heard about that because Stephen Hackett was trying to use an old, like a third generation Apple TV to run it in his hotel room and was having trouble getting that app updated. So we ended up airplane. We actually, we ended up doing like HDMI out from a, from a laptop to a hotel TV to watch with, you know, six or seven people in the room. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's probably kind of telling for the first 15 minutes of, of any of their keynotes that I didn't notice that I was watching the wrong one. Yeah, they all start very similarly, although this year didn't have one of those videos. There was very little in terms of demos. Well, th there weren't a lot of third-party demos or videos in this one because there was so much stuff announced that they moved very, very rapidly and, and skipped a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah, from what I could tell from Twitter, I basically missed like the intro thing, and then I missed like the Amazon Prime announcement, right. and then when I got back into it, you know, they were started talking about, you know, the, the iMacs and the MacBooks and stuff like that. So, you know, I didn't miss too much, but I did feel like a bit of a moron that I'd rushed the wrong one. Yeah, the and the Apple TV thing was, wasn't, there wasn't much to miss because it really was just an announce. It had nothing to do with TVOS, even though that's what they, you know, the umbrella they put it under. All it really is is that there's an Amazon Prime video app coming, which is great, but it's not really much of an announcement. It was undoubtedly something that they negotiated with Amazon to get them on the platform. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm kind of skipping ahead, but it, it it seems to me like they've announced an Amazon Prime on the Apple TV now, and they spoke about their new uh, video format mm -hmm. um, that they're using. I'm pretty much convinced at this point that this means a 4K Apple TV is coming. You know, in September, yeah, um, you know, Amazon Prime has a lot of 4K content. Obviously, Netflix has a bunch of 4K content as well, and presumably, iTunes will get a bunch of that as well. Yep. And uh, YouTube has a fair amount of 4K now, too. Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. I almost forgot about YouTube. But, yeah, so there's a lot of con you know, lot of 4K stuff around 
and you know all the, a lot of the other competing boxes do 4K already, so I would expect we'll see one in September. Yeah, I'm I'm actually thinking seriously now about if I of getting getting that Hulu pack package that I think is only in North America. I'm not entirely sure, but it's about 50 channels. But that combined with Netflix, combined with Amazon Prime, may be enough for me. Mm. But yeah, we're we're still a bit short in the UK on streaming services or you know kind of like uh you know monthly bundles like that i mean you know we've got prime we've got netflix um there's there's one from sky uh, where you can pay for like movies or you can pay for tv shows as a monthly subscription um but we we don't have a lot else i don't think we have access to hulu over here um you know we don't we don't have a lot of the the cable kind of subscriptions where you can get some of the streaming stuff if you subscribe to cable so um so yeah, we're we're kind of a bit short on those. So which is why I'm a little bit more invested in Amazon Prime than than maybe people in the US would be. Yeah, the nice thing about the Hulu package is that you know you have access to their to their back catalog of stuff, but you also the 50 channels is 50 live channels. So just like um, I guess it's YouTube announced they have like a 40 channel package, and that's live TV too. And both of them do some sort of you know online DV, DVR type of setup. Right. So I don't know. That's something I have to look into this summer. I haven't really gotten around to figuring out if that's something that I want to do. But that's a totally different topic than WWDC, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. It is a little bit. But before we get into anything else from the keynote, tell me about tell me the series of events that ended up with me with about fifty notifications when I woke up in the morning. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what night it was. It was maybe Wednesday night in California. We had gone to the, there was a benefit for App Camp for Girls, and we came back to the hotel, and there were maybe, I don't know, seven or eight of us sitting around in the hotel lobby bar, just hanging out, talking, and the tw- the topic of Twitter and replies came up, and how they're kind of messed up, and how they work, and how Twitter has kind of screwed them up, and all of a sudden, we were sitting with CGP Gray, and he got very, very quiet. And you could tell he was thinking about something. And he had this, I mean, he just went into like a, a CGP gray trance and was uh, thinking about the issue and trying <laughs> to understand exactly, because I think it was Stephen Hackett who was explaining how it works. And he, he was thinking about how it works and whether there was a way to snowball Twitter and break it. And we were trying to basically create a, a, a Twitter Ponzi scheme or, or you know, chain letter. <laughs> And trying to figure out how it, how if you could sustain it long enough and grow it big enough that it would, because especially since uh, you know now that those those at replies don't count as towards the message and they're in the header, that it might be able to snowball. It turns out you can't because there is an absolute limit, a cap on the number of people. So it did die out. There's I think the limit is fifty. Right. So we ended up. Um, we ended up just destroying each other's other's uh, at replies for the evening, and then there was another wave when, pretty much when the UK and the rest of Europe woke up because this was you know this was probably like I don't know three in the morning your time or something like that. Yeah, I think I woke up to about I don't know maybe twenty or thirty notifications, something like that. Yeah, um, and of course you know I immediately jumped on and sent a reply just to be just, you know to be part of it. Yeah. Um, no- yeah, we were sitting around trying to figure out what was what would be the perfect message that would entice people to reply. 
And part of the problem was that the original message ends up getting buried too, right? So it's both that there's a there's an absolute cap, and then at some point, someone who has no idea, doesn't know any of the people who started this, gets the message and has no just figures it's some kind of spam and doesn't see the original message trying to entice them into doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, I had to open up the official Twitter app to be able to see the replies as well. I think I'd, I'm not sure what the API was serving up for for Tweetbot, but it wasn't displaying. Um, it, it, sometimes it would display all the usernames, but not the actual message that was sent. And sometimes I'd see the message without any username, so I'm not sh- really sure what was going on there. Yeah, it was a little straight. Tweetbot handles it a little uh, in a little, kind of a crazy way. And you do the problem with Tweetbot is you end up seeing all at least a big chunk, maybe the you know the fifty at replies in the body of the message, and that's why it kind of destroys your your the replies section because it's just giant tweets full of usernames that many of which you probably don't know who the people are <laughs> even at all. But it was kind of fun, and it was you know we were all trying to see if we could get banned from Twitter for for breaking the service. And at least, you know, the good news is, is they've thought of these things and they've thought about <laughs> people trying to create evil, <laughs> evil genius plans to snowball Twitter into spiral it into, you know, Twitter hell, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it, was well, it, it was, it was interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, that was fun. That was one of our fun nights, uh, you know, after, after going out and after that was the, the last night where there was a lot going on. It was like, I think I said it was, you know, kind of front end loaded. There was, the talk show was Tuesday, and Relay FM had something on Monday, which was a lot of fun. It was a nice, nice event at the the Textile Museum, which I never saw the textiles uh, because you, oh. because you couldn't take your drinks into the the. There was like a party room, and it was right. connected to the museum, but you couldn't take your drinks into the into the main museum, and I that didn't appeal to me, so I stayed in the party room. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So, um, I I guess we'll jump back into the the keynote a little bit. Um, so we got new Mac, but I'm new news probably a bit of a stretch. Um, they updated the MacBooks uh, to the Kabylate processors, and there's a few price changes. They're actually fifty pound more expensive in the UK now, but they obviously didn't announce that. Right. Yeah, and they and they also updated the the iMac with the iMac Pro which was it's kind of a beast of a machine you can get an iMac Pro starting at $5000 which is crazy and i can't imagine what the top end one costs i haven't even looked uh, but they they are pretty cool and they and they what was interesting is they're designed in part to help create vr content so for develop, mm. developers doing vr games and that sort of thing yeah it's definitely interesting um, cuz they had uh somebody from industrial light and magic do that little demo with you know darth vader and and you know a bunch of star destroyer and some some x-wings and stuff like that yeah um, which, a, which was pretty cool yeah they're using a vibe for that and i guess you if you if you're if you have a developer account you, you can get a vibe for i think a hundred dollars off okay they also they also have like a box that they've created which you can put it's an external Thunderbolt box for GPUs. So if you want more GPU horsepower, if you're a developer, you can also. That's another thing you can get if you have a developer. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, it's definitely feels like a stopgap for the Mac Pro. Yeah, definitely. And I think the difference. It was interesting to see this machine and wonder what the Mac Pro could possibly be because this really has an 
some serious horsepower behind it. Uh, and I think the difference will be, you know, customization, being able to put your own GPUs into it um, and be able to put in multiple drives and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not for me. Um, no, I can't me imagine you're not going to be buying one either. Do you not need eighteen cores? No. Um, <laughs> I do want that black keyboard though, and you. I, I guess you can only get it with the with the Pro with the iMac. Pro. Uh, it, it has been confirmed this week. I, I don't remember who confirmed it, but yeah, th- those are only going to be available with the iMac Pro. Right. Um, right. Which is devastating because uh, I really want that keyboard. That's what that's what eBay is for, Rob. I'm sure they'll show up. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> Did you? See- I mean, they're already they're already 120 pound or whatever they cost for the the magic keyboard. I can't even imagine what the eBay prices yeah, would be you, like. You can get a white one with a white one with the full. You know, it has the full the full number pad and everything, and it's got more room for the for the arrow keys and all that sort of thing. I really like that. I like a full keyboard myself. Oh, I, I use a, a full key. I have one of the, you know, the wired, uh, you know, full-size Apple keyboards, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it, it's fine. I'm not going to be replacing it anytime soon, but if I could get a black wireless one, that would be nice. Right. No, it'd be really nice. Did you see the uh, WWDC swag this year with the, the they were like Levi, black, leather, black Levi jackets and all the pins? Uh, yeah, they looked really, really nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and the pins were fun because they were handing them out at different events. So there was a, like a, a set you got when you checked in, but then mm. there, but then there were different things. Like they had different ones you would get for going to the bash, the bash, different ones for going to like the accessibility lab. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. There were a few other, you know, things you could attend where you would get a special badge. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I remember actually in. 2012 um when the olympics were going on in london and i went to the oxford street apple store mm-hmm. or the the regent street apple store the, one of the big ones in london I, I don't remember which one right um and they were handing out little uh like the the, the union jack flag little pins mm-hmm. um and i managed to get one of those um I, I don't know if it's something they've done for other events and things like that I know there's probably a few floating around on eBay from various events over the years, but yeah, it looked really fun that they were kind of, you know, you got them for attending and then, you know, there were a bunch of others that you could collect for going around different places. Right. And they had, you know, if they gave you a pin for your, uh, for your country too. So, you know, Federico got a, an Italian flag pin and then the, and then the normal, and then the sets that they handed out, actually, they were different for each person. They were kind of scrambled. So you got kind of, huh. you got your own set. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, he got a Happy Mac that he traded with Syracuse for a metal pin. <laughs> a little inside, little. I saw the transaction go down at a coffee did, shop. Uh, <laughs> what, did did Stephen get a Happy Mac though? That's all that's important. I, I don't think so. Oh no, I don't think so. Well, I mean, he's you know he didn't have a ticket, so I don't. No, know. no, I I know. I, do, I assume he was probably trying to get one from somebody. Yeah, I don't know. I have not seen. I I don't know if he did or not. I didn't see it, so maybe not. Mm. Cool. Um, I guess, I guess the last thing. I mean, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on with the iPad, and they've got kind of drag and drop. Is is the big one now? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty exciting. It's it's neat what they're doing. Uh, it. I've tried it. I've got it on my iPad already, and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody because it's super buggy right now. I mean, it's usable, but there are apps that crash, and app, there's certain apps. I've had only had a couple apps that don't work at all, but I've had other apps that just crash when you try to do something uh, simple. Like I like I cannot paste 
an app store URL into Tweetbot or Drafts without crashing them, which I'm sure is, has nothing to do. <laughs> it's not that's not a knock against those apps, but it's just you know when you have a a new beta OS, that kind of thing happens. Um, so it's not a probably a good idea. The reason I did it was because I have a new iPad Pro. 12.9 on order and it'll come on Thursday so I'll have that pretty soon and I'll probably stay keep that on 10 for a while and then experiment with the old one with with iOS 11 uh, it, it's neat it's the thing is is it's a little bit of a it's a perspective shift it's, you have to it takes a little getting used to it doesn't take a long time to get used to but it's more mm. of a, it's more of a two-handed OS now for, for at least for on the iPads right and that, you know, the iPad really was, in some respects, a blown-up iPhone for many years. And it was primarily just a one-finger dragging and po- poking type of interface. And now you can do things like take an icon and hold it with one finger while you navigate to where you want it to go with your other, with your other hand and drop it, that kind of thing. Yeah, it looks really nice. And I think um, I saw uh, James Thompson, uh, developer of PCalc, he... He'd managed to get a demo or you know a prototype together with PCalc doing drag and drop in and drag and drop out. Um, so it looks like it's fairly easy for developers to to get this this done in their apps. It is for certain things like it, like this. You don't have to do anything, for instance, for dragging text like text fields and search boxes. Anything that takes text is already supported. So you even if you're you haven't done anything to your app, it'll work which is nice. And then the basic functionality for moving around files by drag and drop is fairly simple to implement. But, you know, if you really want to have all the potential features that are available, it, it's a little more involved. But it's, it's, it, I, I expect it's going to be adopted pretty quickly by especially document-based apps. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess the last thing they, they announced, sort of half-heartedly announced, was the, the HomePod. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where they felt pressured to to announce something with all that's been going on with the Echo and with Google Home, and it's not really ready, is my guess. Because I, as I understand it from the various press people who got to see it or listen to it, uh, no one was allowed to touch it. Yeah, that's what I've had too. And the demo units that were in the there was a hands-on area this year that was open to not only to press right after the event, but there was but it was also open for about four hours on Monday afternoon to developers. So a lot of developers have you know tried the new iPads, uh, which is kind of nice. So you got a lot. I got I got to hear a lot about what it's like from them. Um, but and the HomePods were there, but they weren't plugged in, and you couldn't touch them. <laughs> So, and I think from what I understand, they're kind of chunky. I've heard that I've heard them compared a little bit in size that they're a little bigger than like a Sonos play one, which is their single speaker solution. Mm. Um, I think they're roughly the height of an iPad mini. I think it's a little bit like a cylindrical iPad mini. Um, right, might okay. be might be a little shorter than that, because uh, I think they're seven inches tall, something along that those lines. But anyway, uh, yeah, they you know they announced it and it was all very music focused, and then at the end it was kind of like, oh yeah, and it does the Siri stuff too, which was almost yes. you know, it was like an afterthought almost. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I think obviously they they said it's not coming out until like the end of the year. 
Right. I, you know, I feel like, like as it is now, I can't really see why anyone would want to buy it at the price it is. Like, especially when you compare it to, you know, an Echo or a Google Home or something like that. Like, from what they've announced right now, I, I just, I'm not sure I see the appeal. Um, because there hasn't really been any, un- I mean, the only unique feature is the fact that it works with Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, you can do with Sonos anyway, right? Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure you can do Apple Music well, there. You can. They have an integration. Uh, I think what I think what's different about it is that it's not meant to be an echo replacement. I mean, it's I think it's positioned a little different as as a music lover's device that it's its primary purpose is music, whereas the echo does music, but it's really your assistant. I don't I think they're they're on purpose de-emphasizing the Siri stuff. Uh, that might change over time because you know Siri needs some work to really be a little more robust and to match something like like the Echo, but I think they're really trying to position it like a smart Sonos in a way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as I say, I think we'll probably see more, presumably the September event or something like that. They'll, you know, they might go into a bit more depth as to actually why would you want to spend this much money on this specific speaker over, you know, a Sonos or an Echo or, you know, Google Home or whatever else might be on the market by that point. Yeah, I think what they're trying to do too is is I think it probably goes after the Sonos more than it goes after the Echo in that they're trying to replace the stereo system for people, right? Because it's supposed to be spatially aware and fill your room with sound in a way that um, uh, that an Echo won't necessarily do because it doesn't have the same awareness of the dimensions and layout of a room. I don't know. We'll we'll have to we'll have to see. I mean, I I'm not sold on it that it's something that I would buy, but uh, I could see I could see having it down here at my desk while I'm working, mm. you know, but it's, it is, you're right. It's awfully expensive for what it is. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, I, I mean, I think that was probably it that we were going to cover now. Yep. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's plenty of other podcasts that have, you know, gone into the nitty gritty detail of software and, and, you know, some more of the hardware stuff. So, um, yeah, we should probably move on from, from, I'm sure, I mean, we could sit here and talk about it for hours, but we, we probably shouldn't. <laughs> right. So you told me that you got a new wallet recently. I guess we were going to talk about this a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't get around to it. You were looking for like a, a slim, minimalistic type wallet. Did you end up finding something? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I tweeted, I guess it was probably a Saturday night, um, and, and just said, you know, what does everybody recommend for slim wallets? Because I, I kind of wanted something that was, you know, I've just got a standard normal, or I did have a standard like normal wallet, and I just wanted something a bit slimmer. Um, people have a lot of opinions on slim wallets. Um, I don't think I've ever had as many replies to a tweet as I did for that one. Um, and I actually ended up ordering two. Um, I, I ordered one, which was the 3AM slim wallet, which has, uh, two sections for cards. So the cards will either come out the bottom of it or the top, um, which was kind of interesting. Um, and then... Uh, Ian Broom was kind enough to send me a video of his Husk one, which was the one I'm, I'm actually using now, because um, I wanted to see it, and he sent me a, you know, a nice sort of 30-second video showing me all the different parts of it, um, and I couldn't cancel the 3am one by the time I'd ordered the Husk one, so I just ended up with both, um, but I am now using the, the Husk one, which I bought in the red. Okay, yeah, I ended up buying the Husk too after watching seeing your thread. And I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I had I had one that's very similar in that it had a core, 
it came with like a core card, which was you could get either stainless steel or wood and then an elastic that wrapped around it. Um, and then the cards would go on either side of this core piece. The, and then the elastic eventually just kind of wore out. So I was in the market for a new one. And this one is similar in that it's kind of got an, it's mostly an elastic that wraps around tightly around your cards and your cash. Uh, but it also has this little pull tab, which yanks up the loop at the bottom of the cards, which helps get the cards out, which I, I really like. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, I, I've got, at this point, I've got maybe like seven or eight cards in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, according to the website, it will hold up to 10 or, yeah, I think it's up to 10. I think 10 might be a bit of a stretch. I feel like I'm pushing the limits at eight. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty great. Like it's got a little pocket in the back as well. Right. You um, put like you a know. key in there or something. <clears throat> yeah, this is exactly what I'm using it for is to to just have my house key in there uh-huh. um, so I could just kind of grab the wallet and you know I, I don't have to remember keys and stuff like that. I should do that too because I never carry my house keys because there's almost always somebody at home but um, I've been working from home more lately so maybe I should have it. I should probably carry keys with me. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know it, it, I was a bit worried at first because like it's not quite big enough for a standard house key like the the, the top of the key will stick out a little bit right. Um, but you know, it's pretty tight in there, especially with, you know, say seven or eight cards that I'm carrying around. Um, you know, and, and these slim wallets are, are pretty cheap as well. Like I paid 10 pound for the Husker one and then like seven pound for the other one that I tried. Yeah. That's what um, I was just about to say. Cause I think I paid 16 or $17 for mine. Yeah. They, they, they've definitely got a lot cheaper than they were like a couple of years ago. I think just cause there's a lot more companies making them. Right. And at that price, I mean, they don't have to last more than a few years or I mean, they don't even have to last a few years. You could, most people could afford just buying one every year if they needed it. I mean, but, it, but it might, that said, I think it seems like it's pretty well constructed and it should last a while. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the issue I, the reason I didn't originally order the husk was cause there was a few reviews and I know it's my own fault for reading the reviews. Um, but there were quite a few reviews that said, oh, I've had it two months and it's fallen apart already. Um, but then, you know, Ian Broom said, well, I've had it for a year and a half or something and it's been great. So I was like, well, you know, I, I more trust somebody I actually know right. than some random person on Amazon who's probably just angry because, you know, they, they got a duff, you know, they got a bad one. Right. Um, you know, though they'd be quite within their rights to send back and get a replacement, but they'd rather just moan on, on, on Amazon. Right. Yeah, I will have to. I guess the I guess we'll have to see and revisit it months down the road to see how they've held up. But I mean, I've had, like I said, a similar one for almost three years. I think that it took a very long time for that elastic to kind of start wearing out and get you know start falling apart. So I, if it lasts anything close to that for sixteen, seventeen dollars, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, yeah, absolutely, same for me. Yeah. So, so um, you want to talk about the switch because you've you're like full on with the switch now. Yeah, I finally got one. Yeah. So what you ended up did you end up finding the blue and red one? I did. Um so I you know, I <clears throat> for various reasons I'd waited to, to to get one until now. Um and then when I'd actually decided to get one, all the delivery dates were like 4 weeks out. Um I had a pre-order from Nintendo which was going to ship like I say 4 weeks. Um, Amazon didn't have any in stock. I couldn't even like pre-order on Amazon. Yeah. Um, I could get black one or the, you know, the gray one. Um, but I couldn't get the red and blue one anywhere. Um, so I started, um, and there's a bunch of these like stock checker sites that generally do it for like iPhones and consoles and stuff. Right. And, uh, and I was watching for the, the red and blue stock, uh, in Argos, which is like a, 
it's a store, but you basically just order from the catalog. You know, they don't, they don't have any actual merchandise out in the store. Right. Um, and we have these all over, the, you know, it's, it's really big kind of chain of stores in the UK. And I saw that there was one in London, um, in an Argos in London. So I, I went on, I looked and I was like, yeah, I can get to that by tube because I was already going to London anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, you know, 20, 30 minutes out or something. So I paid for it online ordered it went and picked it up the next day when i was in london so um so yeah i, I got really lucky like it was literally only a few days between oh. deciding to get one and actually having it in my hand oh nice nice so what games did you end up getting uh so i i only bought mario kart um i actually bought mario kart before i had the switch because uh-huh. uh, tesco were doing a deal for mario kart um where i got like you know five six pound off or something um so i've just got that right now um, I lasted a whole hour before I bought a pro controller. I think probably uh, they were giving you a deal so that you could afford for the, the bag to take it home in. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they give me five pound off and then they they get you with the bags. <laughs> they do. So that, they do. They <laughs> that's make, how they get you. <laughs> they make you buy five pounds worth of bags, which would be a lot of bags. It would be a lot of bags. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course, with every as with every Nintendo console, like the accessories is where they get you. Um, the pro controller is sixty-five pound, right. which is at least twenty pound more expensive than an Xbox or a PlayStation Four controller. Yeah. Um, it, but you know, me and Jess were playing Mario Kart with just like you know a single Joy-Con each, and that they're really just not big enough for extended like periods of play. Right. Yeah, I I've got the pro controller and I really like it. I took my Switch with me to WWDC hoping hoping to maybe play it a little bit there and it was just too busy. Didn't get around to it. Uh, I did play it on the airplane out there a little bit, but probably should have just left it at home at the end of the day, but uh I don't know. It was I've been enjoying it. I like Mario Kart a lot. I like Zelda a lot. Those are the two main things I've been playing. Oh, I guess Shovel Knight is the other thing I've been playing. Did you pick that one up? Uh, not yet. Oh, it's really fun. Um, it's got all. It's, it's basically the full version with all the DLC that's come out over the years. Yeah. No, I, I haven't got it yet. Um, we're still. I'm still kind of just playing a lot of Mario Kart because because I didn't have a Wii U. I've never played Mario Kart Eight. Um, you know, so the, I'm still like really enjoying just going through and getting three stars and doing the time trials and stuff like that to unlock a small amount of stuff that's actually available to unlock on the Switch version because mm-hmm. uh, they kind of unlocked everything by default. Right. Yeah, um, that's but, true. Yeah, it's, it's still a lot of fun to play that. Um, so, you know, I'll pick up Zelda at some point. I mean, it's on Prime now. I can pretty much pick it up anywhere if I need to. Yeah, you got to get it before the DLC comes out. Yeah. That's the, uh, when does the DLC come out? I think in July, and you can get your Tingle suit then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I should keep an eye out for a for a deal on the uh, on the season pass as well, um, and then of course Splatoon two comes out in July as well, so I really want to get that because right. um, I've pre ordered the Splatoon Pro controller and the Splatoon Joy Cons as well. Oh, okay, just wait till Tuesday, and Tuesday you'll get there'll be a big Nintendo Direct that's coming out as part of E three, and I'm sure that they're going to announce all sorts of other games that are coming between now and the end of the year, and even into next year. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, because most of the really big games have already been announced or, you know, we have dates on a lot of this stuff like Splatoon and and I'm sure we'll see more Mario Kart, uh, not Mario Kart, Mario Odyssey footage, I would think, which is December release, I believe. Uh, But I I think we'll also see more indie games, I would would think. 
Yeah, I, I did actually see there were apparently the the leaked uh, release date for Mario Odyssey is November seventeenth. Oh, um, that that popped up on uh, on my Google Now news this morning. Uh, so yeah, it looks like it'll be coming out a little bit earlier than we first thought. Yeah, that makes sense because that's like then it'll be pre pre Black Black Friday, and you know they can maybe bundle it with the system and sell a ton of them for the holidays. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I feel like like looking at how hard it is, how hard it was for me to get the the red and blue switch. Yeah. Um, I feel like anybody wanting a switch for you know for in, literally in the next six months needs to start thinking about that now. Yeah. Um, because I think it's probably going to hit like November, and if you're trying to get one of these for Christmas, you're not going to get one. Yeah, I think that's that that definitely is a risk. What's interesting about the red and blue too is that I don't think it photographs very well. Because when I finally saw one in person, when I was at W, I saw Federico's at WWDC, mm. and it looks really nice in person. I I don't think it looks nearly as nice in the promotional shots. This was absolutely what convinced me. My original plan was to get the gray one. Uh-huh. Um, because I was like you, I wasn't really convinced of of the red and red and blue. I was like, yeah, it looks fine, I guess. Um, but actually, neither of both of them look significantly better in person. Um, you know, the grey is actually a really nice. It, it it just looks really nice on the Joy Cons, and then, as you say, the red and blue is actually really really bright. Yes, yeah, it's it's much brighter than it shows in the pictures. And you know, the the one that I want, there's like a neon yellow one coming out, I think, too, at some point soon. Yeah, there is. There's the, the there's a neon pair that you can buy, so they're both yellow, right? Um, and then of course there's the Splatoon ones, which are neon green and pink. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I don't know how many Joy Cons you're supposed to buy as one single person. Uh, but I'm hoping I'll probably just stick with two pairs. Yeah, I've only got one pair, so I could probably use another just for because I have that that rechargeable dock type thing that you put them in then you can and then it's then it's configured a little bit more like a you know like a pro controller so if i and i have the the one that came with it the which isn't rechargeable so slide those into those two things then you've got effectively two pro controllers and i've got and and i have a pro controller so you have basically what you need for three people to play something yeah, that's it's yeah. I I kind of just really I I don't need to get like another pro controller or an, all the other Joy Cons really, but I really want them. Yeah. Um, and that of course will give me like as you say like once I've put the Joy Cons in the holders, um, because obviously I've got the one that it comes with, and I'll buy a charging one. That basically gives me like four, like honest to goodness, like decent full size controllers. Right, because I'm with you. I don't think doing them by themselves is all that great. I mean, it's okay in a pinch, especially if you're traveling, like if you're on an airplane or something and you don't want to bring all that stuff with you. You don't want to bring a pro controller. You don't want to bring those holders. You can just use the little mini joy cons if you're playing with somebody else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably about it for this week. Yeah, I think so too. Cool. Well, um, show notes will be at ruminatepodcast.com slash 45. I am on Twitter at RM Lewis UK. John is on Twitter at John Voorhees. J O H N V O R H E E S. That is right. And, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Okay. See you later, Rob. <laughs>